Good morning, church. And good morning to those of you watching online. So, before I start, I'd like for you to just look at your neighbor. If you look at your neighbor, um, I want you to think about what the difference between your neighbor and yourself. And in that light, I'd like you to keep that thought while I pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we, um, we thank you for another beautiful, lovely, amazing day that you have made. That we as a church will rejoice and be glad in it. Father God, we just give you praise, Lord. Lord, your word is about to be spoken to your church. And we ask you, Father God, that you would take your word and let your word, O oh God, filter into the heart of every person present and those watching online. We ask you, Lord Jesus, that your Holy Spirit will bring, make this word as simple as ABC to everyone listening. We ask that your Holy Spirit, Lord, will fill every heart and bring understanding to this message. Lord, I'm just an instrument in your hands, Lord. I ask that, Lord, that I would decrease and you will increase and ask you to strip me off of everything that will make me not do or say things that you want me to say this morning to your church, Lord. We're just dependent on you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I did say to you to hold a thought. Now, did you notice something different about the neighbor that sat next to you? Well, things like the nose is different, his eyes are different, his lips are different, his hair or her hair is different. It's not like mine. Oh, the color of your skin is different. The personality of the person sitting next to you is different. Now, one will ask themselves that, how does that plan out? The thing about God is that we as humans tend to stereotype God or we tend to want to um, um, suggest what God's move is, the next move that God wants to undertake. We want to, you know, oh, yeah, he's going to do it this way. Oh, yeah, he's going to do it that way. But that's not how God works. There is a saying while I was growing up that God does things in a mysterious way. To an extent, he does do things in a mysterious way, but not in the mysterious way that we conceive him to be. But in a mysterious way in the sense that he does things because he says in his word that my ways are not your ways and the way I think are not the way you think. We are made in his image and in his likeness. So what we perceive of God is the foundation of our relationship with him. So this morning, I'm going to be speaking on God. Does he necessarily do the same thing the same way twice? Now, that's a bit um, of something that, so a question that you might need to ask yourself. Does God deliver the same way? twice? Does God heal the same way twice? Whatever God does has a promise. It has, it, it comes with a promise. It comes with, um, with healing. It comes with confirmation. That's him confirming the word that he's spoken. And it also comes with liberty. It comes with peace. 
it comes with uh, with love and it also comforts these are just a few things that we you find out when the word of god is spoken now i'm going to read psalm 102 verse 27 and it says but you are the same god and your years will not come to an end then also reading malachi chapter 3 verse 6 it says oh sorry i'm not sure are you there Oh, you have it on the screen. Okay. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. Again, Hebrew chapter 13, verse 8. Sorry, there's a bit of a, um, a lot of scriptural reading this morning, um, just to get you prepared for it. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. It says, um, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Then lastly, before I carry on, it says in James chapter 1 verse 17, it says, Every good thing and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of light, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadows. Now, all the scriptures I've read kind of establishes the fact that God cannot change, but he can change things. And the way he changes things does not necessarily appear to be the same way. Now, the reason why I asked you the question at first to kind of look at your neighbor is that God created you and I in his image and in his likeness. But in appearance, we all appear differently. But we are made in his image. Now, this is where you and I would kind of struggle with, with our thought process as in, how does that work? But if you kind of think about it, you are the only you God has created. Now, God will not create a second of you. He just created you unique as you are. Now, creating somebody else that looks like you will just be like, um, would not be like the real you. Because the real you it took a seed to form the real you. There are millions of seeds that would have formed millions of you, but God said, no, you form him, or you form her. Now, a typical example is in Psalm 62, verse 11. We don't have this up there. I'm just going to read. And it says, once God has spoken, twice have I heard. That power belongs to God. Now, God just speaks once. But I, I, I was asking myself this question this morning when I walked into the church. I like, when Noah was building the ark, how many times did God speak to him about the, um, the dimensions, the, the, the height, everything that has to do with the building of the ark? I don't have that question. But maybe God just gave him the instruction just once. And he heard the whole instruction over and over again, which is where the Bible says, once has God spoken, twice have I heard. God may say the same thing twice or the same thing once. However, he has never done the same thing the same way twice. Now, if I, read, if I, if I kind of expand on that, it takes me to where I talk about experiences. Now, in the book of Exodus chapter 14, reading from 15 to 16, 
He says, And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry out to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. 16. But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. 17. And I needed, and I indeed will harden the heart of the Egyptians, and they will follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his armies, his chariots, and his horsemen. Now, if I carry on to go to, um, just hold that story, and I go to um, Joshua chapter 3, verse, um, verse 14 to 17, and it says, so when the people broke, um, when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage, all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests came, as not the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan, and their feet touched the water edge. The water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at the town called Adam in the, in the vicinity of Zeratan. While the water flowing down the sea of the Araba, this is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. Anyway, so these are two stories of how the sea got parted and people walked through. Now, this is God giving the same instruction, but in a different scenario. Now, the first one was the children of Israel trying to cross the Red Sea, and they were faced with the Red Sea. And he gave the instruction to Moses. Moses, just strike the sea with the rod in your hands. And the sea parted, and they walked on dry, dry land. Now, in this case of Joshua... It was just the, the priests carrying the Ark of Covenant. And the Bible says there, like we read, that when their feet touched the water, that the water formed a heap to one side, which is like the same thing that happened when they were crossing the, um, the river Nile. It formed a heap on both sides um, um, for them to be able to walk through on dry ground. Now, that example is God doing something, the same thing, but not in the same way. If you understand, say I. Thank you. So, so, why then do you and I think that because God has given Mr. X a thousand pounds, and you think God will give you the thousand pounds the same way He's giving to Mr. X, Mr. Um, Mr. X? Now, we also need to understand that our faith level also determines our expectations from God. That's why the Bible says that you just need a mustard seed faith, just a teeny weeny kind of faith for God to work. Now, if God does not see that faith in you, it is difficult for him to perform miracles. It's difficult for him to do what he wants to do in your life. Now, the only way you and I can establish a relationship, a solid relationship with God, is that having that understanding that this is how God works. But we cannot ascertain the level or the base on which God works, except we study the word. Now, the word is our guide. 
is, is, is a platform on which we as Christians should live and, 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 and people will be able to see how well we, we display the God that we serve. This morning I was talking to um, Pastor, um, I, was, I was having a chat with Pastor Ross and we just bumped into this scripture that just blew my mind away. And it's in the book of Matthew chapter 11 verse 12. If I open it. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. Where is 12? Where is 12? Okay, there we are. From the day of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been has been raiding it for all the prophets and the law prophets until John. You know, I'll read it from the other translation. <laughs> I don't want to get you confused. So this translation that I have says it like this, which is, I'm going towards the end of it, which says, Passionate people are taking hold of its power. Passionate people are taking hold of God's power. Now, there's, we have to build this, not a vicious circle, but we need to find ourselves in an environment where we are passionate about the God we serve. And we are passionate about what he does and how he does what he does. Now, God is not going to force his system into you. You have to show a level of desire. The passion has to be there. The hunger, the thirst has to be there for him to be able to do what he wants to do. But the, the foundation of this is that God will not heal you the same way he healed you yesterday. The Bible says he is God. He knows the end from the beginning. So you'll be expecting, oh, okay, he healed me this way. That means, yeah, he's going to heal me this way this time around. No, that's not how he works. That if he does that, that means he's a still God. He's not. You can't predict him. You know when you play chess, you can't predict the chess move. I'm not describing God as chess, but I'm just giving you um, a kind of illustration of, you know, you're trying to make a move. You're trying to put a knight somewhere, and somebody puts the queen there, and I'm like, oh, okay. But... Sometimes we try to play God like that. Okay, if I make this move, I think when I make the next move, that's how God is going to move there. No, that's not how he moves. He knows the way we think. He knows the way we reason. And he's not going to come do things because we think he does it that way. No. So what am I trying to say? That God does not necessarily do the same thing the same way twice. Somebody might receive healing from cancer. Just praying to God to heal me of cancer. And you might come to say, oh, you know, you heal this person of cancer. Now you'll be able to heal me of this. That God will heal you, but not the same way he's healed that person of cancer. If God wants to put food on your table, he won't put food on your table like he's put food on the table of, of your neighbor. He will put food on your table because of what you need at that time. That's why the Bible says, give us this day our daily bread. It's not just about food. 
It's about your health, your well-being. It's about your, the state of your mind. It's about who you think you are and how you perceive yourself to be in God's presence and before men. Now, if I carry on reading this, it says, why has man developed the ideology of wanting to understand how God works? Even the scientists are still trying to prove this. The atheists are still trying to prove this. We humans are still trying to prove this. We want to second-guess God's move. We want to second-guess God's provision. We want to second-guess God's protection. No, it doesn't work like that. He says, as the heavens are far from the earth, so are my ways, so are my thoughts. They say, throughout the scripture, there has never been a place or scenario where God has done the same miracle twice. Let's take, for example, Jairus' daughter. This is Jairus' daughter versus Lazarus. Now, these were two people that died. When Lazarus died, he was kept for three days. And three days, he must be stinking and smelling. But he was healed in a different way. But he was raised from the dead. The same way with Jairus' daughter. She was also raised from the dead. But this is what happened. In Jairus' daughter's scenario, he decided that everybody stay out of the room and just him and the daughter. But in Lazarus' situation, it was just him, Lazarus, and the rest of the people, the rest of the um, bystanders and passers-by who wanted to see what was happening, which is where we kind of find ourselves sometimes. We want to see, we want to know, oh, that's how he did, oh, that's how he would do it here. No, that's, that's not God. It says in um, Mark chapter 5, verse um, 35, it says, after he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her up. This was after he healed them. He took her by the hand and said, Tabitha Kumi, which means little girl, arise. Now, if you go to um, John chapter 11, verse 38 to 43, it says, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. That's... Um, It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But the Lord, but the Lord said Martha, the sister of the dead man. By this time, there is a bad order, for he had been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, if you believe. Now, if I go back to Jairus' daughter, he says in 35, he says, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. My brother, the teacher. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overwhelming what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Now it goes down to say in Abraham, sorry, I'm just kind of flicking through both scriptures. In um, Abraham's case, he says, um, he says, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. 
When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Now, he called out in a loud voice. But Jairus' daughter, he held her by the hand and he spoke to her and led her up. Little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. The same healing of being raised from dead, but different way. They could not predict when he did it for Lazarus, how he did it. Maybe they were expecting that, okay, he raised Lazarus from the dead, which is for sure he did. And they were expecting, okay, maybe he'll do it the same way with Jairus' daughter, but it was different. It was really different. So you take the case of the, um, the, the, um, the, lepros, the, the guy that was healed of leprosy in uh, Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 to 13. And it says, And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came into him a centurion beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of, of palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, go, and he goeth, and to another, come, and he cometh, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. I'll run down to 11. And I say to you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. 12. But the children of the kingdom shall cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed the same hour. And this is another story. And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, there brought to him a man sick of palsy. Now this was the centurion's servant. And this was another man again. They, were, they both had the same ailment. But the healing was different. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says, And we know that in all things, in all miracle, in all signs, in all wonders, in all expectations, in all gifting, that God works together for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. There is a purpose for God not doing the same thing the same way twice. He is God. He does not change. He does not lie. He is just God. So the question I want to ask us this morning, why do we try to code or decode God by the way we do things? If we decide to all take a thumbprint test, we'll realize that we all have different thumbprints. 
we don't have the same thumbprint. That is why God is exciting, though. There are no snowflakes that are the same. That is just mind-blowing. That scientists have discovered that. No snowflakes. Imagine the amount of snowflakes that falls on a snowy day. None of those snowflakes are the same. Now, that just makes God very interesting, isn't it? God cannot be boring. If he's boring, that means he'll be doing the same thing. It's just like you're eating oats every morning. Every morning you have oats, 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 oats. Or you have, um, um, or you have um, cheese, 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 cheese the whole of the day. Well, your system gets used to it and it becomes normal. But no, God wants to give us something to be excited about him every single day. And if you're not excited about what God is doing in your life or in the life of people around you, then I think you have a problem. <laughs> and God needs to sort that problem out. And how he's going to do it, I don't know. You need to go to him to ask him to solve the problem. Why do we always want to second guess what God will do for us, for our neighbors, for our families, for our friends? He is called God, like I said, for so many reasons. Just before I close, you know the story about the Israelites and the plagues when they were in Israel, sorry, in Egypt, sorry, excuse me. When they were in Egypt, he said to them that they should put, kill the lamb and put the, the blood on the doorpost. Now, I do believe that's the first time he's asked them to put the blood on the doorpost because they were still um, in captivity. Now, that was to protect them from being killed by the angel of death. Now, this is the interesting part. When Jesus Christ was on the cross, the doorpost for the Israelites in Egypt is just a lintel. That's something that holds an opening so that you can have an opening at your door or a window, something that just holds the brick above or the block above. So structurally, it helps with the lateral structural integrity of that space. So, this is the revelation God gave to me in the office. He said, do you know that? That is one scenario where I saved the children of Israel by just asking them to put the blood of the Lamb. Now, go to the cross. The cross is a cross. So you don't only have a lateral integrity, you have a vertical or horizontal, a vertical integrity. So we are, the, the finished work of Calvary is where he said it is finished. And not just that, we are protected on all sides. We are protected, not just this way, we are protected that way. So nothing comes to you. Now, like I said, these are two scenarios, a different way explained and done by God. God cannot be boring. He needs to do something new. He said, look, I'm going to protect you for this time, but I am going to send somebody that is going to do a better protection, a 360 degrees protection. This is just 90 degrees or zero degrees protection. Now take this for the last thing I want to say. When he came to the earth, he came like a baby. Now he's coming back again, another scenario again. Not like a baby now, as a judge. He doesn't do the same thing twice. The same way, necessarily, if I put that in there. So what's your mindset about the God you serve? Do you stereotype your God? Or do you, are you one of those that are just like, well, it's just God. He'll do what he wants to do as God. 
Sometimes I think like that, to be honest. Sometimes I do think like that. And I get the caution at it, do not do that. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all had a different storytelling of Jesus Christ. They all had, they were all part of his life, but they all told a different story of Jesus in the lens with which they saw Jesus. All these books wrote something about Jesus, but in a different perspective. That is why I emphasize and I reiterate again that God is not boring. And that's why he wouldn't do the same thing the same way twice. May we pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, because you are God. I thank you because somebody else will pick this word and preach this word in a different way altogether like you've given to me, but different from the way you have. And that is why you're God. Father, we ask for forgiveness in any way we've stereotyped you or second-guessed your move. We ask you, Lord Jesus, have mercy upon us. But Father, through your Holy Spirit, building to us, Lord, the mindset of, of how you do things and the reason why you do things the way you do it. Father, help us to live this life knowing that we have a God that has given us the grace to see a new day, a new timing, a new identity, a new personality. Father, we just give you praise this morning. Thank you, Lord, for as we enter into this new week, we enter with great expectations. And we pray that our expectations, both physical, spiritual, financial, mental, emotional expectations will not be cut short. You said you will lead us through the path of, of righteousness for your name's sake, Lord. And we just thank you, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Bless you, church.